entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals who seek excellence, bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builder Show. Here's Marty Wolf. We still got a long way to go. Yes, we all got a long way to go. Welcome to the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf and today with our guest host, Jay Kelly Hoey. Along with Kelly and our executive producer, DC Taylor, we will be your guys on this learning journey. To learn more about Kelly, check out her website at jkellyhoey.co. That's jkellyhoey.co. Okay, Kelly, let's get the conversation going. Thanks, Marty. I am really thrilled today to have Peter, Peter, I'm going to botch your last name. Cullinan. Cullinane. You know what? I'm just decided it's it's early and I'm going to botch the name. But anyway, Peter is the founder and chief executive of Lewis Road Creamery, one of New Zealand's fastest growing food businesses and the country's premium dairy brand producer. Peter has had a rather interesting career journey to becoming a dairy producer. His previous business experience uh, includes worldwide COO at global advertising agency Saatchi and Saatchi. Peter, welcome to the Business Builder Show. Good morning, and thank you, Kelly. So, from I want to say, Madman, the ad guy, yes. to the milkman, I got to know how did a college dropout? end up with two master's degrees and running global agencies? I think the uh, the first part of the career is pretty straightforward in, in that uh, most, most of my career has been in advertising. And I started, I finished boarding school and, and did the usual thing of then um, starting a, a commerce degree. And just I just couldn't sort of get my head into it really. And it was sort of at a time back then of, you know, vast sort of um, changes going on. And I, and I stumbled actually into, into advertising. Um, and I know that, you know, a, a, a big part of your thesis is, is networking. And, and, and New Zealand's such a small place, everyone knows someone. And so um, I happened to, uh, through, through, through sort of a family connection, um, get an introduction to a local advertising agency. And I was hired as a as a sort of a trainee, if you like, um, and I just I found I found that uh, absolutely sort of mesmerising, and I and I loved it from from the first from the first minute, and so uh, um, the, the the sort of the world of advertising and and how and how good advertising people uh, think uh, and who they interact with and everything else, I just found. Um, uh, very exciting and 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 it just sort of clicked with me and I was just very lucky that um, from there on I went uh, from this local agency as a sort of a junior trainee and then I was um, I stumbled into you know these things are sort of a luck you know serendipity is that sort of wonderful thing of you know being in the right place at the right time and and being aware of where you are, um, and I was um, I was approached to join uh, Ogilvy and Mather, which in those days was one of the first sort of true international mm-hmm. agencies 
uh, to make it to New Zealand. And so I had a, a, a terrific grounding um, at Ogilvy with um, the MD there, a guy called Rennie Cunnock, who was a um, you know an Oxford grad and uh, uber bright and uber clever and uh, incredibly helpful uh, to getting me started. So uh, I did that for uh, maybe a couple of years. As I say, my chronology is terrible, so these these dates never add up, so never hold me to dates. But um, I did that for sort of a couple of years, and then I had a uh, you know, one of those things is I thought, oh, I've, I should really do the whole um, overseas travel thing. Uh, and so I I set out to do that and, and I got as far <laughs> I got as far as Australia. And, and the usual rule is that you, you work hard somewhere or other and then you go off to Europe. So I did the hard work, but I worked in a in a in a uh, in a coal mine um, in 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 uh, in Wyala, which is in uh, in uh, South Australia, very, uh, very, you know, out, out in the middle of nowhere. And I did that for uh, exactly a year. And then rather than going to Europe, I came back to New Zealand because I had met uh, my future wife um, just before leaving. And so I came back and I then joined an agency called Mackay King, which was, a, again, a, a local agency uh, that was run by, uh, again, someone that um, I knew. Um, and and uh, his son was uh, was taking over the agency, and and indeed I had been uh, to the same school as 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 uh, as his son, a guy called Terry King. And oh, say, agency, say those damn those damn networks and who you know oh, uh, sliding in again there, Peter. <laughs> it was really weak. Um, and so I, we then grew that agency, and that agency was uh, uh, grew from a, a small local agency and became one of the biggest in the country. And then we approached Saatchi and Saatchi um, to, to sell. Um, Saatchi's already had an agency in, uh, in New Zealand, so it was, a very curious, uh, it was a very curious deal. But we basically sold to Saatchi's and then uh, were given um, the task of merging our agency and the existing Saatchi agency together. And I ended up running uh, that combined agency, and we became, you know, the the biggest, um, and and I can say, you know, hand on heart, best agency in the country. Uh, and I think I was about thirty one or thirty two when when that when that uh, when that happened. So I've been sort of involved in that agency world ever since. And then Saatchi carried on, and and um, you know, I, I ran New Zealand and then Australia and New Zealand, um, and then went on the worldwide board management board and then um, finally moved to to New York where we're in that typical sort of agency way I ran everything other than um, you know the country I was in which was the US but I was based in New York uh, and had a fabulous time I loved my time in New York um, and I've loved sort of the whole agency world um, after September 11 I, I was stuck in Paris um, and and my um, my wife um, my second wife, my, my current wife, uh, and and young daughter, um, who was a, you know, like a three-year-old, um, had just flown back to New York uh, the night before, and that morning, you know, um, uh, September 11 happened. And so we then had a, um, you know, one of those moments where you say, well, hang on, what, what, what are we doing and why are we doing it? And we made the decision to come back to New Zealand, and I started... Um, I had a, a wonderful time. I was on gardening leave for a year, and we spent that um, most of that time was in uh, spent in a little village in um, Provence called Tourette Salou, 
Um, so we have. Well, honestly, and I'm going to pause you there for those who don't see, because I think going on gardening leave is one of the greatest inventions of all time. And so for anyone who's listening who doesn't know what that is, you know, European companies, British European companies, you know, you 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 leave, your contracts often have, if you're a senior executive, this kind of garden leave so you don't go and work for a competitor and you get paid to, and you can, I, I guess, go garden. Um, <laughs> and that's what I did. And, and what I actually did was uh, I did a number of things, including uh, I had a wonderful. Um, so the reason we went to Tourette Salou was the, uh, the, the the person that we did the deal with at Saatchi's um, uh, had a holiday house in, um, in Tourette Salou and um, his name was Alban, Alban Lloyd. And so uh, we, we got on famously with Alban and Rosemary and uh, decided that that's where we would go. And Rosemary, as it turns out, is a fabulous um, uh, chef and, um, and and writer. And so she introduced me to a culinary school, which I did um, in France. So I sort of could do my basic. I like the idea of being able to cook everything I like to eat. And I've got a pretty limited menu, so I don't need a, you know, it's not too complicated. But I had a, we had a ball in, 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 uh, in France, finished that, came back to New Zealand and started a, a, a company called Assignment Group, which was a, uh, a group of four partners, the sort of the key people out of Saatchi New Zealand, um, uh, and including the chief executive of Saatchi London at the time. And so just the four of us. Th- and we went from being, you know, um, you get sort of pretty pretty spoiled growing up in a big network. And, you know, we had all the resources and everything um, for, for, you know, 20-odd years. And we came back to New Zealand, and the four of us, decided that we would start an, start an agency, it would just be the four of us. And we would do everything ourselves. Were you um, nuts? Were you nuts? What were you thinking? I, so were we nuts? Um, probably, but it was the most exciting thing to do because um, you've got no one to fall back on but but, but your, your three partners. And uh, we uh, started, you know, we, we didn't even know how to make a cup of tea or coffee or, or <laughs> you know, none of that stuff. So, so, uh, so, so it was a fabulous learning curve, but again, um, that uh, that business um, had at its heart some major New Zealand clients, including New Zealand Tourism, which was sort of the biggest single account in the country, uh, and we we had a ball, but we did it. We really did do it all pretty much single handedly. So it was a it was it was a great segue for me into Lewis Road Creamery, really, because it taught me. So much, you know, you get so insulated in, in big networks or in big businesses that, that you become sort of expert at one small piece, but not a, not 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 really a great generalist. Um, so so I've got to ask, you know, why you're having this ball with these three other partners, you know, uh, doing, uh, you know, a, a career in an industry you stumbled into, but were mesmerized and loved. Why the heck? did you say, oh, I'm going to become a dairy producer? Why am, why am I going to create something that is taking on a big established industry and, you know, dealing with fickle consumers and all the things? Like, what the heck were you thinking, Peter? Question. Great question. And actually, it was a time of, um, I just, you know, I do believe in hard work. And I think we were working really hard. But but then I sort of came back to that college dropout thing. And I thought, hang on. Um this is like a time to really step up. And so I thought, 
um, I would do two things. I joined my first sort of public board, which um, just so happened to be a, a, it, it was a um, it was a, a casino called Sky City, which is the biggest sort of casino um, operator in, in in New Zealand and a major player. Um, uh, so, uh, so I had my sort of first board experience happening, and at the same time, I was doing uh, an MBA, which which um, I completed, and then I did um, another master's degree, and this time in his master's in management, and that was in the study of, um, and th- and again, I'd love to come back to this at some stage, but that was the study of. Um, not leaders, because I think, you know, this whole leadership thing is sort of slightly overcooked. Um, but I was fascinated by those people who are neither leaders nor followers, uh, and I call them independents. But they're the people who are, they're reliant on, they're reliant on a, on a, on a structure to do what they do. Um, so, so typical examples would be um, surgeons or pilots or creative directors or um, barristers or engineers, people who need, or academics, professors, people who need, you know, an institution around them to do what they do, but, they're, but they are really independent. Um, and I find, those, I find those people, you know, fascinating. And so I did that. Um, and then the other thing I had was this little niggle of, of um, on, the, on, this, on the Sky City board, which was the, you know, the first board I joined, um, it had a, it had, it was a very good board, and one of the directors was Sir Dryden Spring, who was, who was the, you know, the, 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 the godfather of New Zealand dairy, if you like, um, and a very senior player. And he, we would have these conversations. I'd say to him, um, Sir Dryden, I don't understand why New Zealand is still sending commodity products offshore. You know, why, why, why don't we have branded? Um, you know, uh, consumer goods. Why don't we, why don't we step our game up and do what um, companies like Nestle um, in a country which is not that much bigger than New Zealand, you know, Switzerland, do so well? And and I can remember Dryden sort of rolling his eyes and saying, "Oh no, you don't understand. You know, um, uh, Switzerland's been doing this for a hundred years. We we could never do what uh, what Switzerland does." Um, and that to me was a sort of a challenge that um, somehow or other I just found too too fascinating to put down. And the way these things work, Kelly, I, I think this is true for, for, for everybody, but it's never sort of one linear thing. You know, it often is in retrospect. You can sort of draw a straight line. But but in the middle of things, it's actually a, it's a sort of a mix of things that somehow or other um, you, you, you create a pattern from. Because another piece of the puzzle for me was um, – you know, I mentioned boarding school. Um, one of the things that sort of kept me alive was bread and butter. And I love, without being silly, I've, I've got a really simple taste, but they include um, uh, bread and, and and butter. And I found that New Zealand butter uh, w- was sometimes good and sometimes not good. And, and I couldn't understand why that was. And it turns out that the reason for that is that um, – uh, the the dairy companies in New Zealand treated butter as something of a of a you know byproduct really and and the focus was very much on um, uh, milk powders and so on and so forth and so um, I decided uh, at some at some stage I switched um, from buying New Zealand butters to buying a Danish butter called Lurpak which is a which is a good butter so anyway I you know that had been going on for donkey's years and I came back. Um, 
when I was back in New Zealand and at assignment, and I was sent by my wife to to do the uh, supermarketing one Sunday afternoon, and so I was there um, loading up the the trolley, and I reached out for a pack of Lurpak, and I had one of those true sort of you know moments um, where. I said, what's wrong with this picture? Why am I, as a, as a New Zealander, as a Kiwi, reaching out uh, for, a, for a pack of Danish butter? When <laughs> yeah, so, make- yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've got cows nearby. Why the hell are you getting butter from the other and, side of the planet? So now this is a true story. So I then uh, went back to, uh, to uh, so I put that butter back on the shelf and I went back to our apartment. And um, my father came from, um, most people in New Zealand have some sort of farming heritage in them, and, and I certainly have, but um, um, my, my father grew up on a, uh, on a farm, but he was a, a commercial airline pilot, but I, but, and he was a man of very few words, but I do, I do remember him fondly talking about making butter on the, on the farm as a kid. So anyway, I forgot how you did that. So I, I looked up YouTube and I got this wonderful woman from um, the Appalachian Mountains um, talking to me uh, on YouTube. And she was sitting in a lazy boy chair and talking to camera. And she had, um, you call it a mason jar. We have it's a we call it an AG jar, but a mason jar. And so she said, "Honey, you know this is to, to uh, on YouTube. Here's how here's how I make butter." And so I thought, right. So I got back in the car and went to the supermarket and bought some cream and came home and 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 followed her instructions and made and made butter for the first time. And, and what I learned was, you know, anyone can make butter because it's not very complicated, but it's really messy and it's really, it's very inefficient. But I made it. And so here's the clever bit about networking, Kelly, that that, you know, that, this is where I think it really kicks in. So that evening, so that was the Sunday afternoon. That evening, we were going out to dinner uh, with a group of sort of friends and associates, um, and 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 we're sitting around the, the 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 table and you know having one of those sort of Sunday evening conversations of you know what's everyone up to and so on. And I was talking to a to a guy who subsequently you know I I, I count as a as a as a really close friend, but then he was a sort of a, I knew him, but I didn't know him that well. But he was saying, so Pete, what are you up to? And I was uh, I was sort of running through, um, you know, it sounds a bit show offy, but I was saying, but well, Rob, you know, I, I'm uh, you know, I'm running a assignment group, and um, I'm you know doing another master's degree, and I'm uh, I've just joined a couple of boards, and I'm no no no. And, but I could see that even so, and I also had another company called uh, Antipodes Water, which was a, um, which is a, a, a high-end bottled water. Um, and, and uh, you know, and he said, oh, that's interesting, Pete. So, so um, yeah, it's interesting. I said, oh, and the other thing I'm going to do, Rob, is I'm going to start a butter company. <laughs> and, I, and it literally just came out of the blue. I just, you know, I don't think it was, it was a voice. Before, it was like spat out of your mouth before you I could put it back. I myself there. I'm like, oh. So anyway, I said, oh, that's interesting, Pete. But it's not like we've got an expression in New Zealand, um, which I don't think is replicated in the States. But he said, oh, yeah, interesting, Pete, but it's not going to be a boot of the car company, is it? And a, and a boot of the car company means, you know, a, 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 a little business that's sort of yeah, run. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Car, car you a business you run on a flea market out of the trunk of your car and little little hack a little hobby on the side like nice little business as people like to say yeah okay exactly right um and i 
what was interesting about that is that my brother, uh, you know, who is who is very successful, had had um, had described Antipodes Water as a boot of the car company years, you know, years years before, um, which, <laughs> in a kind way. But, I, but I, I took great exception to. And so to have someone else say, yeah, but it's not going to be a boot of the car company. I said, no, no, it's not. And so and so, but that was the impetus to to, to go from just sort of you know fluffing around in the kitchen on a Sunday afternoon to actually doing something. And so the next morning, Monday morning, I rang our local supermarket and asked to speak to the manager. And as it turns out, again, serendipity, the local supermarket that we go to, um, there are two major supermarket chains in New Zealand. Um, one is uh, corporately owned and the other is, um, is a cooperative. And this supermarket is probably the the leading store within that cooperative. So uh, as it turns out, an incredibly influential store. And I rang and asked to speak to the manager and just, it would only happen in New Zealand. I got put straight through. Of course. (laughs) And it wasn't because they knew me. It was just like, yeah, sure, I'll put you through. So Yeah, it's Monday. He's not busy. Let me put you through. Yeah. So uh, Jason Vidihera, uh, uh, who was the, the, the owner-manager, picked up the phone and said hello. And I said, hello, Jason, you don't know me from a bar of soap, but my wife keeps your supermarket afloat. <laughs> and so that, 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 that sort of had him giggling. And I, and I, and, and I said to Jason, uh, so, you know, that gave me at least five minutes um, time to speak to him. I said, I just have this vision, Jason, that New Zealand should be making the world's best butter. And if I make it, will you sell it? And he said, if you make it, I'll sell it. And that's literally how things really started. Wow. Um, well, there's a, there's a lesson in there to people like, you know, sometimes just like, oh, you know, you sort of overthinking things and the idea that, you know, or, or, or they dream about someone buying their product. And it's like, pick up the phone, you know, uh, make I the, look- you know, just make the ask. That is absolutely correct. And I think that one of the great lessons in this for me is, um, and it's to borrow a line from someone else, actually, uh, a guy who started a, a, another business, that, a guy called Jeff Ross, who started 42 Below, which is a vodka in New Zealand, which is very famous. And one of his, one of his great pieces of advice um, was um, just start. And I think there's, there's a huge amount of truth in it. You know, you just got to begin. And I think, Kelly, if I had done a, you know, a fully-fledged business plan, I, I would never have got this business up and running. Um, you know, just the barriers to entry are so huge that it's almost sort of impossible to come up against, um, you know, the dairy industry, uh, yeah. which, is, which is, you know, in New Zealand, it's dominated by, by one player. Well, uh, and, you, and, you, and you touched on it too. It's, dom, you know, the domination, but also the domination of doing things in a certain way, i.e. we're going to export a commodity, um, and and to bust that mindset with dairy farmers, uh, let alone a, you know a massive competitor. Um, I'm going to let Marty jump in and see if he's got something here. But I also, when you said you were going to give us a quote, Peter, I have to tease you. I, I was waiting for you to quote Winston Churchill. Oh, well, you, you'll get a Winston Churchill quote from me at some stage. <laughs> <laughs> Marty, there's, you're there's, there's too proof, quiet. There's proof that we both watched the entire flipping book because that's at the very end. <laughs> The Winston Churchill. So, so Peter, we like to show proof that we prepare for the interview, you know? <laughs> no, it's a fascinating, fascinating discussion. And I, I just to, to further validate, we do get 
too hung up in the analytical part of it. And rather than just picking up the phone or contacting someone, it's a great networking story too, which you just told. But uh, yeah, so here here comes Lewis Road Creamery. Wow, how exciting! Yeah. Well, I so, think so. You know, Marty um, and I were talking about before, Peter, um, chocolate milk. How have you made that a must-have purchase? I so mean, that, I must have it, so yeah. I just need to know how you made it must have and how the heck we're going to have it. But anyway. Exactly. Well, we're working on all of that. Um, so so uh, we started, um, I won't spend too long on it, but we started on butter. And then I thought, well, if we, uh, and, and that went, you know, that went well. And we thought, well, what else isn't being done well? And we looked at milk. And again, um, while, while, while New Zealand has sort of the best raw ingredients, we don't, we don't, we, well, we didn't necessarily treat our milk very well. And it was sort of standardized and, and uh, you know, it's just not great milk. And I thought, right, let's do a brilliant milk. Let's just go right back to basics and do a, do a fabulous milk the way it used to be, you know, in our, in our grandparents' time. And so we started a, a, a range of white milks, which again, sort of just absolutely shook up the, 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 the market. Um, and uh, I was having lunch with um, the owner of a very um, uh, a sort of successful um, boutique grocery um, chain um, called Farrow's. And so it's a bit like a, a Whole Foods of, of, of New Zealand. And uh, I was, as I say, I was at, at lunch with the with the uh, with the owners, and um, we were chatting. And, and James, uh, one of the owners, said to me, "You know, this milk is all very good, but you know what? I what I'd love, I'd love a really good chocolate milk." Um, and so I said, "Right, James, you leave that with me." And so uh, that's sort of where where the, this fabulous story started. And so. I thought if we're going to do a chocolate milk, um, it's going to have to be with with it's going to have to be better than any, anything anyone has done. And I had had a long uh, working association with a company called Whitakers, which is which is a famous chocolate company in New Zealand. Mm. Um, I, I have I have some in my <coughs> fridge. Mm. I can I can attest I can attest to how fabulous Whitakers is. Anyway, just that aside. Back back to the chocolate milk story. Well. And actually, Whitaker's. It strikes me that there's a there's a great company in San Francisco called Guitar Chocolate, um, and it strikes me that they are actually quite similar in in terms of um, you know uh, mm-hmm. sort of the sort of products they make. So I rang, um, not knowing anything about how you make chocolate milk and everything else. And uh, and at that stage, our milk was being made by a small independent bottler, um, you know, who we still work with. Um, and they had no expertise in this area either, other than to say that they couldn't mix anything other than powder into their into their milk. And the thing about powder is normally that's the cheapest way of you know getting uh, uh, you know a, a product flavoured. Um, and I wanted to make the best product you know the world has ever seen. So, um, so I rang um, Holly Whitaker, who was the you know the next generation of of, of the family um, coming up in the in the in the family, and said to Holly, "Look, Holly, I, I'm not sure quite how I'm going to do this, but I want to make a chocolate milk, and if I do it, I want to do it with you. But here's the thing: um, our bottlers can only use powdered product." Um, what can we do about that? And as it turns out, they in turn had just invested um, 
you know, many millions in a, in a, in a new chocolate making machine that actually makes the chocolate into a powder before, um, before turning it into a block. So it's like a talcum powder. Uh, if you like. And so it was literally, and Kelly, this is the thing, you know, it would take, it would take um, most food companies, you know, three years to develop a product. We did it in probably two weeks. Oh my God. <laughs> literally, so, so Holly said, well, look, the only thing we can supply you with is this, you know, powdered chocolate. So I said, righto, we'll send someone up. So she sent up, you know, a bag of this powdered chocolate. And then we, every product we've made, we've created it in our kitchen. Um, um, and, and our kitchen is sort of quite central to our, to our, you know, to everything we do. So, so we got um, some fresh milk and we added some powdered chocolate and shook it up. And it was <laughs> just a fabulous product. So, so what I'm hearing from this part of the story is that you did an extensive business plan, a lot of focus <laughs> groups, um, and, and had a lot of control groups for testing, and then you released the product. Is that is that one? Is that uh, would I be correct, Peter? Something like that. that that's and wild. Kept, that's wild. I kept, well, one of the things that I had spent, you know, so I had spent sort of my chronology is terrible. It must have been sort of. 25 or 30 years in 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 agency land and uh, you know we lived uh, under the tyranny of focus groups you know client focus groups where where you know consumer panels would would give their their feedback on things and i and and, and my belief with lewis road was i just wanted to do things that i wanted to do uh, and if i believed that they would work then i was going to back myself um and i think that is by far Ah, you know, the, it's it's a sort of a high risk but high return um, uh, sort of approach, and it relies on uh, having good judgment and then in backing your judgment. And so, uh, so on this chocolate milk thing, I, I we had no idea it would be as successful as it was, but we we launched it. Um, and my biggest concern, actually, at the time, was you know. Oh, we might have a little chocolate milk that's going to go to some pig farm somewhere or other. This thing doesn't work. Um, but it just went up. You know, I was going to say, if it went to some pig farm, I want to be, you know, ordering yeah, that, the, right. the roast from that. And, and that's, you know, anyway. It was just extraordinary. It became a, a, an absolute um, phenomenon. Uh, and and you know it became you know the the stuff of of, of uh, endless um, news stories uh, you know on television and and everywhere else yeah. uh, and 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 made the brand the brand was getting some traction as being like oh this is interesting you know some someone is finally doing something interesting uh, in the dairy sector and then this thing just sort of you know blew everything apart in terms of awareness and. Uh, and so on, and so, and so that's how chocolate milk started. And then we we took probably uh, two years before we could meet um, demand. You know, so the plant, um, the bottling plant, had to be expanded. The, um, you know, it was it was there were, there were a million different issues to face, including irate retailers, by the way, who who hate not being able to sell something that their customers want. Um, I Putting my my microphone on mute because I'm just like laughing because I'm thinking, you know, if you had gone the traditional route to releasing product, you know, in terms of the analysis and stuff, this wouldn't have gotten out there. Um, and and I'm just thinking, no, you just got it out there, and then you had to deal with these other 
problems over two years as, as opposed to overanalyzing it. So how do you deal with irate retailers? What a, what a delightful problem to have, but how do you deal with that? Delightful, delightful, but lingering, I must say. You know, they have very long memories, retailers. Um, um, and, you know, they hate hearing the word no. So um, I think one of the things, one of the things that, that I think I've learned in this Lewis Road experience is you take a sort of a big leap and then you backfill. You know, so, so it's not as though you can't do the hard work and the analysis and everything else. But, but I'd, rather, I'd rather sort of look back at what we've done and say, OK, what can we learn from that as we go forward rather than, you know, the sort of, you know, the paralysis by analysis thing. Uh, and so with retailers, what, what, what we did, Kelly, and, I, and um, hand on heart, I reckon this is a, 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 an important insight. We, we or I sort of t- determined from day one, really, that um, we would never do anything that, that we wouldn't tell you we're doing or that you couldn't discover. And so that we've never... One of my things is I've never said no to a um, to a press interview. Um, we've never we've never declined to answer a question, uh, and so uh, you know I've relied on just absolutely telling it as it is, and and it's sort of quite disarming because big brand companies can't do that. You know that they 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 they're so sort of understandably sort of concerned about, um, you know, who says what and so on. But if it's oh, just me. And, and damn shareholders and all that exactly. stuff. See, hey, see, now, Marty, now we know if anyone ever says, how the hell did you get mm. the founder of Lewis Road Creamery on the Business Builder Show? We'll say he never says no to a media interview. Oh, there you go. But, but I, I would prefer to say it was excellent networking. I would prefer to say that, um, you know, and because he's referred to networking a few times. So, so in our show notes, Kelly, of course, you're going to have all this uh, the contact information, like the website, which is fantastic. Uh, and you can, in addition to our conversation with Peter, uh, you can see all this in the show notes. I'm sure, and. Um, the other thing that's going through my head is major universities all over the world are saying, who are we going to come get our MBA uh, if we have to do it this easy? What the hell? Right? So, so. But, but, but Peter's got, Peter went and got him an MBA. I mean, you know, a completely side note on, on all of this stuff, Peter, I mean, between a growing global business, right? You know, changing an industry in New Zealand, growing global business, you know, um, the boards, the community service, you know, earning two degrees. Got any time management who aren't doing a quarter of what you were doing? Uh, Do you know, my management tip, I reckon, is you've got to enjoy doing what you're doing. And I, so I love how I have no problem with working hard. Um, And um, um, I found the MBA fascinating. Like fascinating and 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 really rewarding. And then I found the the, the that master's uh, research um, thesis into sort of uh, these independents. You know, they're they're the most fascinating people for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I found that really rewarding. I found sort of exposure to boards and how boards think. You know, it's just it's just it's just really enjoying what 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 you're doing, and, and they're not doing stuff that you're not enjoying. And I and I think you know that's that's uh, that was really the. Uh, the changing point with with Saatchi's really was, you know, I was in a, a at a at a at a point in position where I thought I don't know if I'm really enjoying uh, this anymore. Maybe it's time for a change. But you do become a um, a salary slave, and it's very difficult for people, I think, midstream uh, or later in their careers to make a big bold move. 
Um, but I have to say, you just got to do it every so often. You just got to sort of go out there and and just take a big leap of, of a, faith and then you know yeah. back yourself to somehow yeah. or other and, uh, you know and, uh, end up on your feet. And Peter, I you know, in the looking at the book and uh, other things, I see, and this is maybe part of your time management and leading or management, whatever you call, call it, is. I saw the quote maybe several times, speed is everything. Apparently you believe that to be true. I absolutely believe it to be true. And I think, you know, if uh, you know, the whole thing, if, 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 if you don't do it tomorrow, if you can do it today. And, and you can, 24 hours is a lot of hours. Um, and I think that, that you, you can achieve an enormous amount in a short period of time if you really put the pressure on. I think, again, sort of agency training is a bit like that, where you go from – you know, dealing with a bank to a to a paint company to a cosmetic company to a dairy company. You know, you you you're you're constantly leaping from one issue to another with at speed, and I think it does teach you to um, to move very quickly and sort of turn thoughts into action um, as fast as possible. And and I and and if you sort of get into that way of operating, you you can you know you can achieve a lot in a in a in a pretty short period of time. And I, and I do love that old quote from, you know, um, that TV series, uh, American Hero, I think. And it was called, and it's, you know, pressure makes diamonds. And I do believe, you know, that, that subjecting yourself to a lot of pressure um, is actually a, 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 a very rewarding thing to do, not a, not a scary thing to do. And then every so often, then you've got to take a break. But um, get some garden leaf. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, Kelly, but Kelly, we can't leave until we asked a question, why do you love Winston Churchill? And uh, maybe give us a quote or two to start to wrap up. Well, I think um, Winston Churchill is um, is probably the, 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 the single most impressive, um, you know, person I've ever, I've ever, um, I've ever studied or read or known about. Obviously, um, Winston Churchill played a big role in World War Two. My father was a was a, um, a you know bomber pilot in World War Two, so it was sort of a, a reasonably direct connection, uh, I guess, to, to 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 that. But I but reading his books and the best biography of Winston Churchill is by William Manchester, um, mm. uh, which is just an, an absolutely fabulous trilogy. Um, but I just find his 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 ability. He he was he was always adventurous, um, Winston, and I think that. You know, when I read what he achieved and compare that to what I've achieved, you know, it's it's so humbling. Mm-hmm. And so and I just love the fact that, you know, right through to his dotage, he was still writing and commentating and uh, doing fascinating things and leading a, a, an absolutely fascinating life. And his observations were brilliant. And, and, the, and the quote that I think... Um, you know, my my own personal motto is where there's a will, there's a way. You know, if you want to do something, you can do it. It's just a matter of do you really want to do it? Um, but the way that Winston Churchill summed it up was uh, one quote. It was, fear nothing, live life as it comes, dread naught, all will be well. I just think that's such a wonderful attitude to life. Mm. Mm, for business for life and and a whole lot more peter wow 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 i have like of course endless more questions asked so i'm you know might have to say you know will you wake up 
early again in the morning in Auckland to come back on the Business Builder Show. But thank you for the generosity of your time and your insights and sharing your story with us today. That's an absolute pleasure, Kelly. Thank you very much. And thank you, Marty. And thank you, DC. Thanks, Peter. Thank you so much for listening to the Business Builder Show. To learn more about me and I'm Marty Wolf, go to MartyWolfBusinessSolutions.com. That's MartyWolfBusinessSolutions.com. To learn more about Kelly Hoey, go to her website, which is jkellyhoey.co. That's jkellyhoey.co. And of course, you can find Kelly and Marty on LinkedIn and Twitter. A reminder, you can find all our Business Builders shows on iTunes, Spotify, and on your favorite podcast app. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf.